And so if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to have you turn to Psalm chapter 72. Psalm 72, I think, speaks into where we are as a country, and we're going to use that as a springboard. As you know, I, I talked about it last week, that, that I, with all the things that are going on in our country and some of the things that are going really close to home, I thought it was good that, that we interrupt the, a planned Christmas message. We'll have a Christmas message next weekend out of Isaiah chapter 9. But I thought it would be good that we went back into this Culture Shock series and Culture Shock Revisited. And that maybe just one more time, and we need to talk about this. I mean, when you look at the issue, our country is reeling uh, from a terrorist attack of two Islamic radicals in California. And then maybe even closer to home for us was the shootings in Colorado Springs at Planned Parenthood. And so when you look at our country and you look at our culture and you just look at people, you just realize that our country is dealing with some deep issues of just bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. I mean, when you look at this season of, of, of year, the Christmas season, this is supposed to be a season where there's peace on earth and goodwill towards men, right? But we have a long ways to go. Fact is, it even seems like in our culture, in our society, that we're not getting closer to that. We're getting farther and farther away from that, that we're becoming more and more divided than ever before. And there's more bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and anger in our culture, in our society than ever before. And the shooting at Planned Parenthood maybe is a little bit closer to home to us, and so maybe that seems a little bit more real. Officer Garrett Swayze, who was a police officer at UCCS, and, and he was a full-time officer, but he was a part-time pastor. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, but in his local church, he was, uh, he was a part-time pastor, and he, he preached a lot uh, in his church. And see, Officer Swayze was an evangelical Christian, and, and he believed that, guess what, all life is sacred, from the un unborn all the way up to people that you may even disagree with. And Officer Swayze gave his life protecting... Planned Parenthood. And, and after the news broke about that, that, that shooting, I, I got on Officer Swayze's local church's website and I, I pulled up the last sermon that Officer Swayze would, would preach. It's odd in that, that the last sermon that Officer Swayze preached with his sermon on how to glorify God and that we're called to glorify God in our, in our successes and in our sorrow and in our failure. And sometimes we glorify God more the way in which we live our lives when things don't go the way planned. Here's a little bit from Officer Swayze's, and I'm just going to quote, and I just pulled a little bit out of his sermon, and here's, here's what he said. He says, we tend to want to do our own thing, rugged of individualism, but in spiritual matters we're utterly dependent upon Christ. We cannot stand before God on our own merits. Jesus is the cornerstone. We are merely stones being added to it. Jesus is the builder of the house, and he receives more glory than the house. And if we're the house, he gets more glory than we do. Our objective is not to bring glory to ourselves, but to bring glory to God in our successes, in our celebrations, and in our sorrow. And the question is how? And the way that you do that is by transforming our lives through the gospel because it's all about the gospel. Apart from it, it can't be done. It cannot be done in our own strength. Everything we have comes from the Lord and everything 
we have should glorify the Lord if the gospel is the basis of our life. And everything we need is provided by God because Christ is sufficient. And I just want you to know this morning, I am so thankful for first responders who put their lives on the, lit, on the line and at risk for every one of us to keep us safe. And if you're a first responder, was police, sheriff, paramedic, fire, whatever, and you put your lives on the line for us to keep us safe, I just want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. In the midst of, in the midst of darkness in which we live, Scripture continues to remind us and Scripture continues to tell us that, that we're, to be a, we're to be a light. I mean, when you look at Psalm 72, see Israel, they're having like some problems with their government and they're having some problems with their leaders. But what's so odd to me is when, when, when they, when the children of Israel, when they posted on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, they Twittered some stuff and they posted some stuff on social media that is much different than many Christians are posting today. In other words, they actually did what Romans, the book of Romans, encourages us to do. That as believers, that we're to support our leaders, that we're so, to pray for our leaders, that we're to encourage our leaders. I mean, I think in our country, what's just so concerning to me that we have lost the ability to disagree with someone without making it personal and without all of the attacks. And so Psalm 72 in, in the Psalms is classified, classified as, a, as a royal psalm. Or it's, it's, it's a psalm that is, is, is about a king. And it's a psalm that is about their king. And it's a psalm about leaders and some things that they're going through. And I just want you to hear their words. I just want you to hear what they said. I want you to hear what they prayed for. Fact is, this is a prayer that I've been praying for the last couple of weeks for our country. Psalm 72, verse 1 through 4. Here's what the scripture says. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness righteousness and you're poor with justice let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness may he defend the cause of the poor of the people give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor in other words you know what they're praying you know what they're praying for their president or their king or their government they're praying things like god just give him the desire Give him the desire, give him the knowledge, and then give him the passion just to do something or just to do it. In other words, they were saying, we want a ruler. We want a ruler that not only, that not only has the ability to see the problem and know what to do, but then has the passion to act with righteousness and with justice and with love and with mercy and even what they would say, even with worship. Listen, your ability to point out all the problems on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in society does not make you as original as you think it does. Everybody knows we're messed up. Everybody knows this government is messed up. Everybody knows the world is like jacked up. Lots of people know that. But the question is, what are you going to do as a result of it? 
What are you going to do? What are we going to do as a, as a people group? What role are we going to play? What role is the local church going to play? See, their prayer for the king was, I don't want a king that just knows what is right. I want a king who rules so things become right. I want a king that like knows what to do and has the passion to do what is right. And so our, our, our country is reeling from the shootings from the two Islamic radicals. And, and listen, what Scripture tells, what Romans tells, what Psalms tells us is the United States government should fight and fight hard against terrorism and radical Islamic jihadism. But the government should not penalize law-abiding people especially those who are American citizens for holding their religious convictions. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm so concerned with some of the things that are being said and done in our community, in our, in our culture. I, I disagree with Islam, and I believe that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Okay, so I believe that. But I just want you to know, we've had Muslims come to this church and meet Christ here and have been baptized in those waters and come in to the life of this church. And I get it. Muslims, unpopular group these days because of the radical Islamic terrorist, jihadist, and I would argue that nonviolent Muslim leaders have a responsibility to call out terror and violence and jihad. But at the same time, we as Christians, we have the right, or we have the responsibility to call out radical Christianity and the hurt and the damage that it does. When, a, when a Jerry Falwell Jr., who is president of Liberty University, the second largest Christian university in our nation, and when he stands up at a commencement address with 10,000 students, and he encourages them that they should all get concealed carry license and, and purchase guns, and that when the Muslims come in, they will teach those Muslims a lesson. They will take care of the Muslims. That is not helpful. That is not helpful for this. And there are some things that should cause us great concern. When you listen to all the political rhetoric and you listen to all of the words that are being spoken, and when a government can shut down a mosque simply because they are a mosque, one day can shut down a church, a Christian church, just because they're a church. In a government that can close borders to all Muslims simply based upon religious belief, can one day close those borders to Christians. A government that begins to require ID badges for Muslims in the fullness of time can require Christians to wear ID badges telling you we must never lose the precious freedoms purchased by the blood of patriots in years past because of fear and because of concern. And we as Christians, and because of the gospel, 
We have a responsibility. We have a right to protect everyone's religious freedoms, not only just ours. And this weekend, I, I just want to talk to you about this issue. It's just a burden on my heart to talk to you about this issue of tragedy because I really think at the core, I think, really think at the root, that's what our country is having trouble with, is how do you walk through tragedy? How do you walk through crisis? Listen, as a pastor, my job is not to cheer you up every weekend. My job is to help you understand the gospel and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that when you go through crisis and when you go through tra tragedy, you know how to respond and you know how to continue because this world that we live in is sinful. This world that we live in is, is fallen. This world that we live in, there's suffering and tragedy in this world. So I just want to give you four things this morning. Four things that when we go through tragedy, whether, whether it's personal tragedy, whether it's in our family, whether it's national tragedy, I want to give us some basis about how do, we, how do we respond to that. And so the first one is this, is God is pleased when we go through tragedy. God is pleased when we're willing to mourn in desperate situations. God is pleased. When you, when you get that phone call, when you go through that situation, when you see that news feed, when you go through tragedy, that God is pleased when you're willing to mourn in desperate situations. Listen, when you go through tragedy, the first thing that happens is that it's you have all these emotions and you have to process your grief because tragedy causes deep emotions. I mean, you know that, right? When you watch the news, when you watch news feeds, it can bring up fear, it can bring up anger, it can bring up resentment, it can bring up depression, it can bring up worry, it can bring up all of these types of things and grief, and it can bring up grief over the things that are lost, and they can be scary. And so we have to know what to do with those emotions and what to do with those feelings. Because if you, listen, if you do not deal with them, your recovery from a crisis will take much longer than it should. See, there's some Christians and there's some people that say, well, when you go through tragedy, you just kind of stuff your emotions. And some will say, well, no, you don't stuff them. You just kind of deny them and you just kind of ignore them. You just kind of act like they're not there. You just kind of push them down and keep them under the surface. And there's even some Christians that will tell you, well, as a Christian, you're just supposed to be happy all the time because of the promise you have. And, and you don't process your grief. With grief. But that's not, that's not what Jesus said. In fact, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter four, 5, verse 4, Jesus said this. He said, blessed are those who mourn. In other words, Jesus said it's okay to mourn. And Jesus said it's okay to have grief. And it's okay to grieve. And so he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In other words, there's the promise. And what a great promise and what a great thought. That it's okay to process out your feelings. It is okay to grieve. It is okay to face your feelings because you have to face your feelings because you don't re repress them, you don't push them down, you, you don't torture yourself by repeating them over and over and over in your mind. You have to learn to release your, your emotions. See, there's a, a tragedy in the Bible, and it was, it was uh, in John chapter 11. It's with Lazarus. And Lazarus, when, when Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick, it took him two days to get there. And when Jesus finally gets there, Lazarus had already passed away. Martha had met Jesus, and Martha is upset. But here's what's so healthy about it. She's processing out her emotions. She's processing out her grief. And the great thing is this, is guess what? Jesus allowed her to. 
because he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be, for they will be comforted. And you just watch this in John chapter 11, verse 21. Here's what the scripture says. It says, Martha said to Jesus. So Martha runs up to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, if you had done something, in other words, you know what Martha believed? Martha believed because things didn't go her way, it meant the absence of God. It meant the absence of Jesus. In other words, what Martha is saying, Lord, if you had been here, we'll just read it. Lord, if you had been here, my brother, my brother would not have died. In other words, Martha got to this place in her grief that she just thought that, God, the reason he died is because of the absence of you. And how many times in life when we go through despair, we go through tragedy that we have despair and we, we weep over the things that we've lost or we weep over the things that have hurt us because we think that, you know what? God, you should have done something. Why didn't you take care of this? Why didn't you do something? And so we just kind of assumed the absence of Jesus Christ is the reason this happened. Listen, we cannot prevent tragedy in life. And we cannot prevent tragedy in our life. But what the Scripture tells us is this. We can choose how we respond. And just like Officer Swayze, to where we come to the place because of the gospel that we understand that we can glorify God in all situations, that we can glorify God in our success, that we can glorify God in our sorrow. And he is pleased when we mourn in situations. Because the Scripture says this. The Scripture says that God is close to the brokenhearted. And that's what he said in Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, because I'll come, uh, I'll be close to them. I will be with them. You see that in the story as well. Um, if you talk to any psychologist or counselor and you just ask them, what is the most difficult type of mourning to, that a person goes through? What is the most difficult type of grief that a person has to process out in their life? And you know what they'll tell you? They'll tell you that hurt, that grief, that tragedy that you go through in life that you had no control. You had no control over it. The hurt of a loved one. When you tried everything you could do to make that relationship successful. The betrayal of a friend, when you had been a great friend to them. The loss of a marriage. The waywardness of a child. The loss of that job, that you did everything you could on your end to make sure you were successful in that job. The loss of a loved one, the loss of a home, the loss of a dream. Psychologists, counselors will tell you that the deepest type of mourning and tragedy to walk through is those situations that we walk through that, you know what, we had no control over. And how many times do people just ask why, just, just like Martha did? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you do something? And the question for us is not why, but the question is what? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do through this tragedy? Psalm 46.1 says this, that God is our refuge and God is our strength and a very present help in time of trouble. In other words, God wants to comfort us just like he did with Martha. He wants to comfort you through your tragedy. For blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Isaiah 66.13 says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God, listen, God, in tragedy, if you will process out your grief, 
God wants to comfort you with his presence because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you is what he tells us. The second thing is this. When we go through tragedy, God is pleased. God is pleased when we encourage one another. When we go through tragedy, when we go through mourning, when we're processing out that grief, God is pleased when we are willing to encourage one another. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. He said, Blessed be the Father, God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any any affliction. You're going to see this word comfort over and over in these passages. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experienced when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Listen, a lot of times when people go through tragedy, when people go through loss, when people go through grief, a lot of times a normal reaction is, is they just want to isolate themselves. They want to get away from everybody and they want to get away from people because for some reason they believe that nobody can understand what I'm going through. But what the Bible tells us is this, in tragedy and in grief and in hurt and in loss, that we, we need each other. And it, it's just their presence. In fact, is that, that word comfort in the Greek that was used over and over and over by Paul. The word comfort, the definition is, is this, to strengthen one's knees. In other words, in tragedy, comfort is this, to strengthen one's knees so they can endure. So strengthens one's knees so they can continue the Christian walk. Listen, this, this issue of comfort, what the Scripture says is the way that God comforts us is through people. That's what the Scripture says. That's why I'm so adamant about being part of a local church and not just being a spectator. But that is why I'm so adamant about being part of a local church and building relationships and building community. That's why I'm so adamant about life groups and coming into a life group and, and being part of a life group where people can encourage you and you can encourage them. Over the last, um, over four weeks of our Faith to Move the Rockies campaign, I did over 20 vision desserts. And, and um, in case you weren't a part of one of those, we got like 20 to 50 people together. We talked a little bit about the vision of the church, but one of the most important things that we did, and God just did some unique things differently in every vision dessert, but we allowed people just to share uh, what brought you to Fellowship the Rockies and then how has God ministered to you since being here. And so we just let people give testimonies. And it was amazing the number of people that I talked to after vision desserts, and they said, boy, this is one of the most encouraging evenings I've, I've ever been a part of. Just to hear the stories, hear, hear the stories of people going through some of the things I've gone through, and just to hear their testimony, how God comforted them, how God took care of them. Listen, do you realize that's a glimpse of a life group? That happens every week here at Fellowship the Rockies. 
in different homes, in different groups, because the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that the way that God ministers to you, the way that God comforts you, is through the ministry of others that have gone through some similar circumstances as you to where they can speak into your life. The most amazing thing about uh, Officer Swayze's funeral was his wife got up and, and shared. In the course of her sharing, and the place was packed, it was New Life Church in Colorado Springs is where the funeral was. And she got up and she said, she says, you know, I, I just feel led, I just feel like I need to say this. And she, she said, this last week, not all of you are going to understand this, but she said, this last week, I have been more comforted by love than grief. She said, let, she said, let me say that again. This last week, I have felt more love than grief. And she says, I'm going to say it again because you guys look shocked. This last week, I have felt more love than grief. And she says, I just want to be clear grief there's been a lot of grief in my life and there will continue to be a lot of grief but I have felt more love than grief because I am a Christian in my church in my life group I have felt more love than grief because of you because of you scripture is clear God ministers to us through people and when we walk through tragedy I mean let me and I always have fear for people that on our part, really a part of a church, and they're not really part of a life group. When you go through tragedy, who's going to minister to you? Who's going to speak into your life? Who's going to comfort you when you walk through that? The third thing that when we go through tragedy in life, and God is pleased, God is pleased when we're willing to get rid of bitterness. God is pleased when we're willing to get rid of bitterness. And I, I, I really believe that's, that's where our country is struggling here. I mean, you just, you just, listen, uh, you just listen to people. You just listen to people in the, men are in, in, the, in the media, and you just hear unforgiveness. You hear bitterness. You just hear anger. And God is pleased when we get rid of bitterness. Job, in Job 21, 25, Job said these words about bitterness. He said, another dies in bitterness of soul never having tasted prosperity. In other words, you know what Job was saying? Job was saying, you keep bitterness in your heart, it's going to keep you moving, from moving forward. Bitterness in your heart, it's going, to, it's going to keep some things out of your life. Bitterness in your heart, you're going to die with bitterness in your heart, and you're never going to taste pr prosperity. He's not talking about financial prosperity. He's talking about spiritual prosperity. He's talking about love and joy and peace and all of those other things. In other words, there's some people that just have no happiness at all. They live and they die with bitter hearts. And so when you go through tragedy, you're just going to have to decide how are you going to respond. I mean, it's just, I'm telling you. I, as a pastor, I, I've watched people walk through tremendous tragedy crisis in their life, and they maintained a positive attitude. And on the other side of that, I've seen some people walk through life, and it seems like they've never gone through a crisis. It seems like they've never gone through a tragedy. And they're negative, and they're angry, and they're bitter, and, and all of those others' emotions. Listen, this issue of bitterness, it has no correlation to what you go through in life. It is a, it is a choice. And this verse says that you have a choice. 
You can either get rid of bitterness or you can choose happiness. But listen, I'm just telling you, what Job says, what Scripture says, you cannot have bitterness and happiness at the same time. You cannot have bitterness and joy at the same time. And if, if, you, if you have bitterness, which comes out of unforgiveness, you just need to know in the Scriptures that you are only hurting yourselves, oh, and your immediate family or the relationships around you. I mean, if you're going to harbor bitterness, I'm just telling you, based upon His Word, you're guaranteeing that you're not going to really have any true happiness of joy at all because bitterness, listen, let me tell you something, bitterness never draws anyone closer to God. fact is, it does the opposite. It, it draws people farther away from God. Bitterness in your life is non-productive. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14, and 15, here's what the Scripture says. There's an encouragement. He says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no, in parentheses, this is a quote, this is a quote out of the Old Testament, in parentheses it says, and a root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. In other words, in your life and in my life, we must protect ourselves from, from bitterness because it will come up and it will keep us from a life of joy and happiness, and it's unproductive. I mean, I, I've watched this. Someone can look normal on the outside, but inside there's like this root of bitterness. And every once in a while it just cracks the surface, and you can hear it when someone says, well, I can't believe he did that to me. I cannot believe she did that to me. I, I am so angry right now, I could kill someone. You know what? For the way they treated me, one day they're going to they're gonna pay for this. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised because of how they treated me. Something's really bad going to happen to them in their life. If I ever see her again, if I ever see him again, there's just, just no telling. There's no telling what I'm going to tell them. There's just no telling how I'm going to respond. Listen, I'm telling you with this issue of bitterness because it's a root. This issue of bitterness, everything can look normal maybe on the outside while you're being destroyed by... A bitter root. And our neighbors have a, have a tree and it's kind of near the, the driveway and the garage. And, and when they planted that tree, they probably thought it wasn't going to hurt anything. But over time, that root grew up and grew out. It split the foundation of the driveway and now it's starting to split the foundation in their garage. And getting that root out now is no easy task. It's going to take a lot of concrete work and it's going to take a lot of work. And the same is true in our life, that a bitter root can grow up, and when it matures, that it can be difficult. I mean, the Bible says, the Bible says this, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps, keeps no records of wrong. But I'm telling you, a bitter person, they keep a record. They keep a record. They remember. Ephesians 4.31 and 32 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Many of us were taught growing up that treat others the way that you want to be treated. Treat others the way you want them to treat you. The Scripture says it a little bit different than that. The Scripture says this, you treat others the same way Christ has treated you. 
That's how you treat others. See, unfortunately, with this issue, issue of forgiveness, I've learned that God's command to forgive has no exceptions. And everyone believes in the principle of forgiveness until they're the ones that has to forgive. The last thing is this, God is pleased. God is pleased when we reflect on what is important. Something about tragedy that helps us clarify values and the things that we have priority or think are important. And never confuse possessions with your purpose in life. And Philippians 3.8 says this, indeed. Paul's writing, I count, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In other words, Paul said all of the things that I once thought were valuable just aren't valuable. What matters in life, what a priority in life are those things that give me security that I can't lose. And through tragedy, we can lose a home, we can lose a career, we can lose a marriage, we can lose our health, we can lose a lot of loved one. But what Paul is saying, but I am so thankful that I cannot lose my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what gives me security. That I cannot be separated from the love of God. Regardless of what happens to me. That my security is in Christ, in Christ alone. It goes back to what Officer Swayze said. That we glorify God in our success and in our sorrow. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just ask you this question. Let me ask you, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a, as a result of, of this message? What is God saying to you as a result of, of his word? Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian, and maybe you've never come to that place in life to where you just accepted Christ and asked you to come into your life for the forgiveness of your sins. Because let me just tell you this. You have, you have no chance walking through tragedy in your life in a healthy way without a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no way you'll ever be able to forgive in your own strength. That only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so maybe for you, to, it's just to accept him and ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. But maybe you've done that. Maybe you're a believer here this morning. Let me just ask you this question. Is there a root of bitterness in your life? Is there unforgiveness? Is there someone that you just need to forgive? Maybe this would be the day. Do you just see to it that a bitter root doesn't grow up in your life that one day will defile many? And I get it. I understand I've had to walk through the process. Forgiveness is a process. And maybe today you're just going to say, I'm going to start the process. Because I understand that bitterness will keep me from moving on. Bitterness will keep me from having joy and peace and love and happiness in my life. I don't want to die with a bitter heart. And I want to live. And I want to live with joy and peace and all of those other things. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. I just need someone to pray for me. I'm going through a difficult season. 
I got this prayer request. I got this burden. We want to pray for you. And it may have something to do with what I've just talked about. It may have nothing to do with what I've just talked about. And that's okay too. If you have a prayer request, if you have a burden, we want to pray for you. Because what Scripture tells us is this, is the way that God ministers to us, the way that God comforts us, is through people. And so in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. If you need prayer in any area of your life, as we stand up, would you step out? Would you begin making your way down to the front? Uh, we'll have prayer partners here. We'll have people that will guide you. You just have to tell them your name and how they can pray for you, just real quickly. And they'd love to add their faith to your faith. fact is, they would love to pray for you and encourage you and comfort you with the same comfort that they have received from the Lord. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, after I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. And Father, we just thank you for the power of your word and the power of your name. And Father, we just ask that you draw this church very closely to you. And people would respond to you and they'd find comfort and support and encouragement that they would know that they have met with you. And Father, we pray that prayers would be answered. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.